0: You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. 20 years ago, I stepped foot on the girls next door (laughs) at the Playboy Mansion time really does do a lot of weird things you go through time and and perspectives start to change and you know your your ideas start to change about why you start asking why why did i do that why did i why did i have sex with a 90 year old man or like at that age you know why did i do that like why did i go to the mansion in the first place why did i <laughs> to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine, with me, Kara Berry, our Pop Culture Roundup, Traders, and Southern Hospitality Recap for the week. We gotta get into our Pop Culture Roundup for this week. Um, What happened? What happened? Oh, um, so last week, the... Well, I can't say that Vanderpump Rules premiered, but... People got access to the premiere of Vanderpump Rules, whether you went to the party, whether you're fortunate enough to get a screener like myself. (laughs) I can't say anything about it until the day after it airs, but just say that I saw it and I have feelings, okay? But during that premiere party that happened in LA, they also premiered the re... no. The trailer for The Valley, the official Vanderpump Rules spinoff featuring Jax, Kristen, Brittany, and a bunch of people that we don't know. And by the comment section in my Instagram, it doesn't seem like many of you guys are going to find out who these people are. So (laughs) I feel... Bad for those people who we don't know because everybody's like, "Ugh, Jackson, Brittany, why are you doing this to us? How could you do this to us?" Question mark. We have family karma that we would like to have back. We have Southern Charm, New Orleans, which was a fucking gem that could come back. Bring back the Gallery Girls. I don't think any of them are in the art world except for maybe Amy at this point, but. Bring him back, even for just one episode. We didn't need this, want this, ask for this, and the it wasn't even a trailer. It was like a like a little teaser where Jax is on a um, you know, like a, a in a little kid's car, driving down the street and waving to everybody. So I feel bad for those who don't are unknowns, as I'll call them, because they're getting dragged down into Jax Taylor's horrible reputation, and that sucks. That that really sucks. Also, like, not for nothing. I just don't really understand how Kristen's life and Jax's life really intersect. Like, she's just, you know. Are we going to watch it, you guys? <sighs> the other part of that is that apparently it's going to be backdoor piloted during episode 8 of Vanderpump Rules. So I guess this will be a conversation that has had... Between Sandoval and Jax, that leads us right from Vanderpump into the valley. And now that I think about it, my next question is, when is Summer House Martha's Vineyard coming back? Soon? We haven't even gotten a trailer for that. So, let's hop to it. I want I want my ba- my babies back, okay? Bring back Black Summer House. Good luck to everybody in the valley. Not so much to Jax or Brittany, who both have me blocked on Instagram. That's another story. But, Good luck to all the rest of you. Keeping on to our girl of the week, it's gonna be more Bravo stuff. It's going to go to Perennial Flop Anne Marie from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. She, as I told you, if you guys didn't listen to my recap on Friday, the American Society of Anesthesiologists came for her via Instagram. And it says, The Real Housewives know a fake. Anesthesiologists are medical doctors with more than 12 years of higher education and up to 16,000 hours of cl- clinical training. Title misappropriation has no place in healthcare. Hashtag RHOBH. So what happened, where this stemmed from, is that during last week's episode, Crystal said that when she met Anne-Marie prior to filming the show, like she had met her a few months before the season started filming, that Anne-Marie had told her that she was an anesthesiologist, not a nurse anesthetist, as she actually is. And she was, like, making a big deal out of this. Anne-Marie, not Crystal. Anne-Marie was making a big deal out of this in, in a way to, you know, wave the flag, if you will, if that flag has uh, Sutton's esophagus on it, and sound the alarm to, um, you know, whatever may she might think may be happening with... Sutton's bodily body parts, right? So, Anne-Marie responded to the American Society of Anesthesiologists. This chick has been fighting for her damn life since she gave us the great eight and a half speech with her husband telling her she's an eight and a half across the board. Why? I'm not sure. However... Here is her response to the ASA. I do not condone the ASA's defamation campaign. I am a CRNA, a certified registered nurse anesthetist. I am extremely proud of my profession. I will not be accused of title misappropriation because a castmate needed a storyline on a reality TV show, meaning Crystal. This is my real life and my career. I'm not an anesthesiologist, nor have I ever claimed to be one. I have immense... Respect for physical, ph- excuse me, for physician anesthesiologists, and I ask that the ASA, the other anesthesiologists, show respect to CRNAs as well. This type of unhealthy discourse only causes friction and professional division. Political issues exist between physician anesthesiologists and CRNAs, which explains their current attack on me and the CRNA profession. We don't know that girl. Our goal as anesthesia providers should always be working together in order to best serve our patients, not competing with one another. My aim is to educate the public, excuse me, I have to correct myself because she says, my aim is to educate the pubic on who CRNAs are and what we do in providing the best, highest quality of anesthesia care to those we serve. The esophagus storyline was not funny. Yeah, we know, girl, we've been screaming that for weeks now. Watching the show back now, I hate that storyline just as much as everyone else. I don't think you do. I don't think you do. (laughs) I would be mad at me, too. It was a line of questioning I should have never started, and for that, I sincerely apologize. That storyline was unauthentically dragged on for far too long, and I have been dragged through the mud in the process. I just want to highlight the quote-unquote real-in-reality TV. Prayer hands emoji, heart emoji. Girl, no. Here's what I'm not doing with Anne Marie is because she keeps bringing stuff to us. We respond as we should, which is mostly a combination of "huh," "what," "ugh," "girl," and then she wants to get mad at us because of our natural reaction to that. Like, I—that's not our fault. Is that our fault? You made this a storyline. You were the one who unauthentically, well, rather, you, yeah, you unauthentically dragged on the esophagus storyline for far too long. All Bravo did was just show us that you, lady, had been talking about it for four and a half hours at an event for somebody else's celebration of life. The friend who brought you on the show, her friend, Celebration of Life, you could shut up about it. And that was in addition to the multiple other conversations in other episodes on separate days. Those were choices that you made, girl. We're just responding to them. And if you don't like how people respond to them, then stop being fucking corny. Have you ever considered that? And also, like, I would like Anne-Marie to maybe consider that she's not that girl. Like, she's just not... She's just not that girl that she thinks she is. You think that you're telling us that there's some sort of West Side Story, Sharks versus Jets, beef between physician, anesthesiologist, and CRNAs. No, I think, and and they're using you (laughs) to to put it to the forefront for the rest of the girls. Like, I don't think that's, maybe that, I don't, I don't think that's true, Anne-Marie. I don't think that's true. I think that's probably a result of you doing something goofy in the past to a physician anesthesiologist like, I don't know, maybe Dr. Nicole from Miami last week. And maybe that's where all of this is stemming from. So, girl, <laughs> she's such a flop. She's such a flop. And, like, I knew she would be because, you know, turfs are flops. Women who marry men who have sexual assault allegations that seem pretty ironclad are also flops. So, I guess I just wasn't prepared for the level of flopdom. And I am, you know, a, a flop. Um, I'm, a, I'm a flop scholar, frankly. So maybe maybe I'm not a physician flopologist, but I could probably be a certified registered nurse the flopologist (laughs) no disrespect to the actual flopologist you know I don't want to cause another beef in the world but anyway I'm gonna stop talking about Anne-Marie because I'm, I'm not gonna make you suffer any longer okay and with that we're gonna end with possibly another new um segment for our pop culture episodes the headline of the week because this really made me giggle And there are so many that happened, and I'm like, I need to share these with you guys. I really do. So the headline of the week for this week comes from none other than Kendra Wilkinson via a People magazine exclusive, and they made sure to say that, which really made it that much better for me. Kendra Wilkinson defends getting high at a Sublime concert the day Hugh Hafner died. Quote, I owe him nothing. (laughs) Now, I think for the matter of journalistic integrity, we should clarify that it was Sublime with Rome, not the OG Sublime. Because one thing about me, guys, I actually was like a true to it 1996 to 1998 huge fan of Sublime. Like I could I could do it with the best of it. One of the first CDs that I ever bought, Like, I actually really loved Sublime back in the day. So, you know, I, I think the clarification is important. Um, but the article does go on to say, <laughs> When Playboy founder Hugh Hefner died in September of 2017 at age 91, Kendra Wilkinson wasn't sitting at home mourning. Hours after the news broke, Wilkinson says she was getting high at a Sublime concert in California. I smoked a lot of weed, recall, recalls Wilkinson exclusively in a new interview with People. Although it's been 20 years since she first rose to fame at age 18 as one of Hefner's girlfriends, the reality star says she's only beginning to unpack the trauma from her time of living in the Playboy world. Look, at the end of the day, I owe Hugh Hef nothing. I'm not going to sit here and protect him. Hugh Hefner dated millions of girls, right? That's not my responsibility. And whatever happened with him, with his relationships, that was his thing. It's not my responsibility to protect a man for his life choices. And you know what? No lies detected, girl. No lies detected. Shout out to you. Shout out to Kendra for the headline of the week. And with that, you guys, we're going to move on to recaps of Southern Hospitality and then we're going to end with the traders as usual. If you guys want to skip around and just go to a particular segment, you can find, you know, about the timestamps in the episode descriptions as well as links to my socials, my Patreon, all that, all that, all that. Like so that's really about Trevor. That's what happens when she gets called out for shit. Gets- let's go. All of you can <laughs> yourself. I'm so serious. I would never do what you guys did to me, to any of you. And bitch, I can. I can. You want to play checkers? Let's play chess. What? L O L. Let's go. So I love this episode of Southern Hospitality because it was just so silly. Like it was giving me the Silly vibes of early Vanderpump Rules. I'm not going to say it was good, as good, but the vibes were there. The energy was there. And also, this was a Pride episode, so maybe I was getting a little nostalgia, if you will, just watching a bunch of straight people um, scream at each other rather than celebrate Pride. So that's fun. Anyway, we start off the episode with O'Sheen telling Maddie that while she was opening for DJ James Kennedy... Emmy was at Republic Garden and Lounge trying to step into her role, but Maddie truly doesn't even give a shit. She's like, Emmy's not even fit for this position because Emmy's more of a follower. So, not worried. Will is now nine weeks out from going to law school. He's going to be two hours away from Charleston. He's kind of freaking out because he's saying, like, there's so many things that I have to do, so many things that I want to fix, including in my relationship with Emmy. So he tells her... Honestly, I kind of think it's going to be a lot harder for me to be gone than for you, which I have to agree because she doesn't seem to be affected by this at all. And not that I'm saying she needs to be, but he just seems to be deeply affected by this. And so his entire life is going to change. All of his friendships are going to leave him. He's barely going to have a girlfriend. And I totally get that when you're in law school, you're kind of like in it. And you kind of have to be, like, insulated a bit, I guess. But, you know, I think he will be okay. I think you're going to be okay, Will. And everything's going to be fine. So Joe Bradley goes to meet up with Sally because last week he found out that she kissed somebody right before his uh, date with her. But right before he made him, he made her his grandmother's chicken Parmesan recipe. by learning positive coping skills and all the tools you need to help you be the best version of yourself. BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So you can just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Everyone's Business today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Everyone's Business. I did not see one seasoning out, but, you know, Sally had to eat it, not me. Joe's clearly nervous. He's ordering a skinny marg with salt for the occasion. So he tells her, Look, I'm really sorry that my emotions got the best of me. And I'm sorry if I made you uncomfortable. And Sally apologizes for kissing Gaston, even though I'm pretty sure she said she did not do that just like the night before. So he asks her why. And she's like, it's just a kiss, honestly. So then Joe lays it on super thick. Sally, it's been a long time since I've woken up and gotten excited about a girl and cooked for her. And Sally's like, sure. Sure. And, like, she's not being super disrespectful. She's just telling him, it's only been three weeks since we've, like, started talking, right? So then Joe says in a confessional that, you know, now I realize that Leva was right. And it's really not smart to date coworkers. But that's not why Leva was telling you that, Joe Bradley. She was telling you, you're not allowed to date your coworkers because it's company policy. Not like it's going to be sticky for you in the end and you're going to be Crying over your leftover chicken parmesan. That's not why she said that. That was a rule. Not advice, babe. So after that, Brad decides to... Not Joe Bradley. Brad decides to tell Maddie that during their, like, working Sunday day club, which apparently is very chaotic for a public garden and lounge, allegedly, Brad's dedication to getting Maddie back and making her upset is very weird, but also, like, kind of funny. Like, he goes up to her... And it was like, "Uh, so how'd your uh, gig go with James Kennedy? How'd that go? She's like, oh, it was so great. Like, I love what I do. Like, I really want to do more of it. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, Well, are you going to keep DJing? Because Emmy's really coming for your job. (laughs) Maddie keeps saying, but she doesn't know anybody. Emmy doesn't know anybody. And Brad's like, what do you mean by that? She's like, well, she can't bring people into the club. She can't sell bottles. But Brad tells her, actually, she's the number one seller. Now, granted, this information that Brad's pulling from seems to be over a singular shift that she did on Thursday, but okay. The thing is, Maddie actually does get irritated because she was told by some manager guy that we see with a mustache that when you're gone, when you're DJing, or when you're chasing around Trevor on his petty cab, Joe's the one who takes over for you, Joe Bradley, and how, according to her, Emmy wouldn't even know what to do if, like, the fire marshal came in or if somebody breaks their leg. So, what's going on? The level of dedication that these people have to this job is so funny to me. Like, it's just hilarious. Anyway, so now Maddie is all fired up. So, she takes Joe Bradley into the cooler to tell him, I heard Emmy was coming for my job and that's not cool because I've been so nice to her. Emmy walks in on the conversation over here, Right? Maddie is going off in a confessional about how Emmy's a mediocre server. So being a manager is going to be a whole, a whole nother fish, a whole nother fish for Emmy. Even Joe Bradley has to look at Maddie and be like, but don't you want to be a DJ? Like, why do you care so much? (laughs) And then they go to talk and Joe Bradley says the goofiest thing they're going, they have this like intricate, I've never seen one. I've never worked in the food service y'all. Um, lime cutter that seems really large for a lime but that's neither here nor there it does seem fun joe says you know cutting limes is one of the things that i really miss about being a bar back it's like just kind of a rush (laughs) like what happens in this boy's mind i just want to know him and larsa what's going on up there you know what's going on To be honest, I had completely forgotten about uh, the strange boyfriend Trevor that Maddie has, but apparently he has been out of town, so that's why we haven't been talking about him. He's about to come back in town, so maybe that's why she's freaking out a bit. Then we have a scene with Mia and her father, and it's quite interesting because they seem to have a complicated relationship. She says her parents broke up. Her mom came out as a lesbian. Her father ended up marrying somebody 20 years younger than him. So she's got, like, one- and four-year-old siblings. It kind of seems like her father tries to give her advice she doesn't feel is, like... Like, it's giving old maiden shoes. Like, she feels like he's not qualified to be giving her fatherly advice, right? Like, she says in her words, he loves giving advice and critiquing me on every little thing because I think it makes him feel like a dad. Yike. He wants her to have this fairy tale romance, but she's looking him crazy because it's, like... Bro, all of you guys in my family have been divorced multiple times, so you've shattered any illusion of a fairy tale romance that I could have had. So I'm just, like, working with a different set of cards here, and you're, like, asking me to put on rose-colored glasses, but I already see the shit everywhere. So too late. After that, the cast goes on a boat trip. And by that, I mean, like, a booze cruise on something called the Freaky Tiki. I don't know. Maddie and Grace Lily don't show up because Grace Lily has broken up with Liam. She says arguing with him has given her a pimple on her third eye. Her pineal gland is freaking out like she cannot live like this. A man is supposed to make you sparkle, but he's telling my shine. She's like, I don't want to play these games anymore. Like, I'm trying to play Candyland and he's trying to play chess. I don't want to do that. And I get that, girl. (laughs) I get that. On the boat trip, though, O'Sheen all invites the cast to, you know, their season trip to Miami. They're going on a team bonding trip. And then Will just completely decides, you know, O'Sheen, even though I've been mad at you for the last all of this season, I'm not anymore. It's just not worth it. Okay. There was really nothing to be mad about anyway? Great. So Maddie goes home, like, to her house with Trevor. She has not been there in a month. Since she threw his phone on the ground in the alley, as we saw, he's pulling out all the stops. He's got his white linen shirt on. He's making her lamb chops. He's clearly washed his hair. Maddie says in a confessional, it's weird to be back in the home that they got together. She's looking at all the places. We fucked over here. We fucked over there. How is he living here and not thinking about all those things? How does he do that? So Trevor's like, you know, I miss you. I miss having you next to me. I want you to come home. I want you to be my girl. And that is like, I'm not ready for all that, bro. Like, I just feel like you're going to switch on me and start being a shit boyfriend again. So he tells her, well, I think you're amazing. And I think you're my person. And I'm trying to get back to that. Like, girl, leave him. He's not listening to what you said. He's just running his lines. He doesn't give a shit. He just wants you to stop being mad at him, girl. So, of course... The next morning, we see them in bed together, just giggling and shirtless. So, listen, it be like that girl, no judgment. I've been there. I've been there. Then we see Grace Lily leaving Liam's apartment. She's got her cat Fergie up under one hand and a half-empty box of vegan hot dogs in another. She tells us that she went over there with a plan, okay? She gave Liam some one last Grace Lily-loving, and then while he passed out... She just dipped. (laughs) She took her vegan hot dogs and dipped. Okay. (laughs) Poor Fergie loose in that car. Just like just rattling around that Mercedes with the door that you can't open from the inside. God bless her. I love Grace Lily. Okay. I love her. After that, some of the cast pulls up to Republic Garden and Lounge. It's like some of them are working. Some of them are not. Joe runs into the girl who said that she started this whole Trevor rumor, that she's the one who hooked up with him. So he asks her, well, what happened, right? So I don't just hear it from Brad. She's like, listen, we were like instant attraction. We met at Republic. He's trying to leave really quickly because obviously that's his girlfriend's bar. He doesn't want to get caught. So then she pulls out her phone to show Joe and TJ a video of her with Trevor. They're walking down the street. She's kind of grabbing around his pants. And he's like, are you grabbing my penis right now? And then he gets in front of her and just starts twerking. And she grabs his ass. And it's like, you know, pretty flirtatious. Not something that I would do with my friends, boyfriends, or husbands. Like, I would think that they would find that pretty inappropriate. So, they're having Pride the next day. Joe's like, I want to call her right now. Should I call her right now, guys? Should I, I really want to call her. She's my best friend. Like, no, you're not. <laughs> you're not best friends with Maddie. But then he is able to talk him off, himself down from the ledge. He's like, I'll just tell her at Pride tomorrow, right? So everybody's doing what Leva refers to as team building for Pride. She tells on herself, she says, we don't hire uh, designers for our pride after party. We just get them to do it. It sounds like you're exploiting them for free labor. But whatever. Emmy takes Leva aside to be like, I'm really ready to lick your boots, girl. I mean, have more responsibilities because the girls really look to me when we're working. And I'm ready to, like, take more on. So Leva tells her, I've been noticing you, girl. This is another... Very smart move on Leva's part. You know, I I think things don't happen overnight. You know that of course, but I do think that when Maddie's not here, you could kind of step into a Maddie role. Get out there, kid. That kind of competitive competitiveness is like really good, you know? Keeps people on their toes. Girl. This is so crazy to me. Maybe I'm just, like, not getting it. I don't know. I think because I've never worked in Food and Bev. I've never worked in Nightlife. I've never been a bartender. I've never had this sort of, like, culture. All of this seems so wild to me that she's able to, like, convince these kids that they're all, like, I'm picturing High School Musical. We're all in this together. It's so wild to me when, like, why do you want this so bad? I don't get it. Like, even in my 20s, I'd be like, what? Why? (laughs) Why? Anyway, Joe takes Maddie inside while they're all decorating for Pride. Listen, I don't know if you're getting back with Trevor or not, but, like, before you do, I just heard from that girl. And he got the video from that chick and shows it to Maddie on his phone. Her response is, fuck no. L-O-fucking-L, okay? You know, it's just really frustrating because, like, Trevor and I already talked about this. We talked about this a month ago. I know that they didn't kiss. I talked to the bouncers. I talked to Trevor. They both said it didn't happen. I know it didn't happen. So Joe's like, listen, I'm just trying to look out for you. She's like, no, I know who's doing this. The person who's been coming for me for a year, meaning Brad. (laughs) Like he's all dastardly deeding behind the scenes, which he is, which he is. So then she's like, I know you would never do that he would Trevor would never do that to me at work and Joe's like but he did he's done it before (laughs) so Maddie gets all activated I'm over it if I see that bitch it's done talk about something else you guys okay she starts grabbing herself try to leave again and she says in a confessional every time my friends go see me go one step forward they're trying to pull me three steps back they should just stay out of my business why would your friends want to do that that's psychotic That's not true. That's not true. Now, this is 2020-something stuff. Like, you think that a whole group of people is actively campaigning against your happiness because of Trevor? Baby, open your eyes. Open your eyes, babe. So as Maddie's getting ready to go, Joe goes over to the bar where everybody else is, and he's giving everybody the tea about what just happened, right? So she hears him telling everybody, because they're in an open space, and he's just talking normal. she's also like five feet away. So she goes, everybody, and she starts getting defensive over Trevor. And like, she's like, fuck everybody. I would never do that to you. I would never do what you guys did to me. You see why I call her a laryngitis girl? I could do it, bitch. I could do that to you. If you want to play checkers, I'll play chess. And I'm not talking about Joe Bradley. (laughs) Matt, uh, Emmy's there at this point, Will and Brad. So she's referring to them. Y'all have been my friends for over a year, and you're not being a friend right now. So Joe Bradley follows after her, and she's like, "This always happens to us. <laughs> Every time we're happy, they're just trying to bring us down." Girl, what are you talking? About? <laughs> so now everybody's conspiring against you and Joe Bradley. Like these, they don't have anything better to do. Like, I know they don't have anything better to do, but I still think they have better things to do than this. Like, Emmy's trying to get your job, girl. Be worried about that. So Emmy and Will walk in, and Maddie points at them and is like, y'all are fucking trash, right? Brad says, I haven't been your friend in over a year, actually, because you started lies about me. So then Maddie screams. Fuck you, I would never do that to you. And Brad's like, you did it last year. You fucked up my relationship on purpose. You said I was getting my dick stuck by a dumpster. Stop lying. See you, bitch. <laughs> you see why I love this show? You fucked up my relationship on purpose. You said I was getting my dick sucked by a dumpster. <laughs> Words. Wow. So Maddie screams back at him like, don't act like you're my fucking friend, Brad. And he's like, I'm not. Fuck you. Jesus, help us all. Take the wheel. And hopefully, it's not a pedicab wheel. Uh, Okay, let's move on to traders. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, you to go in there and try to throw me under the bus wait what what happened but when you do stuff like that it brings attention to me like oh they work together there on the show i'm like are you kidding me no one likes you poverty everyone says you're a traitor we can be in this game together but you're gonna play fair and if you don't you have more problems at the faces. What she did tonight was unacceptable, and I will not tolerate it at all. I'm playing very fair with you. So don't do that to me. Both of you. All right, you guys. Episode four of The Traitors did not disappoint. I was, like, seated entertained from start to finish so let's get into it so last week we ended in episode three with a cliffhanger because Parvati's running around manically with that rusty chalice trying to get anybody at all to drink out of it so she can murder them in plain sight right even though I thought in episode three this chick is running out real crazy like how is she not being completely obvious to people she this bitch Parvati Gets off flawlessly because Ek and Sue, they're all around. A, there's a few people around a bar. It's Ek and Sue. She's talking to Dan, the other trader, asking, Oh, who do you think the trader is? And he's like, I don't know. You know, I only know who the faithfuls are, just playing his game, right? Ek and Sue says, When I leave this show, I'm going to find out. I'm going to fuck these traders up, right? And Parvati hands her the cup and goes to pull. Cheers to that. And she takes her sip. Kills herself unknowingly, tells Parvati, I love you and I would never think you're a traitor. Just incredible, incredible television. Parvati did that shit so smooth, Dan, who's literally sitting right next to them, didn't even notice that she did it. He thinks maybe she failed, I don't know, right? Then we find out 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 of nowhere, just randomly, no explanation whatsoever. Deontay left. Remember last week he was like in a pool of tears that Phaedra was cleaning up with her six-inch acrylics? He just left. I think he really could not take the pressure. And the pressure was getting worse there. And I felt for him like, what a what a sensitive little soul. People were saying that maybe he was like, yeah, it was like he was a boxer. So maybe there was like some CTE happening and that was... You know, responsible for his emotions. I don't agree with that necessarily. I just thought he was, like, sensitive. I thought he was a true empath. And he just, like, couldn't take the the backstabbing. <laughs> Poor thing. Poor thing. I feel for Deontay. I want more for him. Maybe he should go on, like, something, something a little easier. A little more gentle. I feel like he should be on our TV to, like, teach us something about life. And, and love. The traitors was not it. And I wouldn't even say, like, celebrity big brother either. That might be a little difficult for him, so. We'll find something for you, Deontay. There's, there's a path for you. I really think there is. After that, Phaedra, Dan, and Parvati all get to the breakfast room first so they can talk some game a little bit. Find out, did Parvati actually poison somebody? Like, what's going on, girl? So she tells them... Listen, you guys, I had to do a Hail Mary pass and just kind of give it to Ekansu. And Phaedra just starts fanning herself with a napkin I'm like, oh, Lord, not Sue. Now, gr- mind you, she voted her to banish Ekansu the night before at the round table. So now the reason why she's fanning herself is because she thinks the heat is about to be on her for possibly being a traitor. Like, oh, you wanted her to leave? She left. So what's good, girl? So the heat starts also getting turned up on the housewives because they're all kind of buddied up with each other. Larsa, of course, is very Larsa-centric at all times. And it's like, everybody that I'm close to has been kicked out. Like, Marcus is gone. Who else left that she was so close to? I don't even know. And neither does she. She's just talking about Marcus. So, like, if MJ leaves, that's my whole inner circle so then who walks into breakfast after everybody else streams in but Eck and Sue, right? Alan Cumming. So now everybody's like, well, nobody died last night. Like, what happened? So Alan Cumming walks in. He's usually never at breakfast, okay? So this is, like, a big deal. You guys need to dress for a funeral. Somebody was murdered in plain sightless. I can't do a Scottish accent. And I, my apologies, okay? That was bad. <laughs> Even for me, that was bad. Somebody was murdered in plain sight. Last night, okay, so they're all looking around. Pete from The Bachelor's like, Okay, well, something must have happened. What happened that we didn't see? Was somebody poisoned? He's like, Right out of the park, got it. So everybody's separate after breakfast. Larsa tells some of the other housewives that, um, and also Kevin from Bling Empire she feels like whoever the traitor is is very alpha because they've been taking out mostly men, mostly big, tough men. Johnny Bananas, I guess. Maybe it was Johnny Bananas in her inner circle? <laughs> Girl, Tamara's just working off of vibes still. Like, she's, we've moved on from John from the House of Commons with the asthma, and now we've moved on to Kevin from Bling Empire. She thinks that Kevin might be a traitor based off of him simply annoying her. He's eating with his mouth open. And that's pissing her off. So he might be a traitor. <laughs> this is the information that Tamara's working with, and now every season of her tenure on Real Housewives of Orange County makes a lot of sense. We're just, we're just feeling things, and they're incorrect for the most part. I mean, nobody wants to watch somebody eat with their mouth open, but that's that does not a traitor make. But other than uh, the mouth eater and strong alpha male. Everybody else kind of thinks that it might be Ekansu because she's just being loud and bold and traitor-like, in their opinion. I have not seen evidence. We don't really see it, but everybody's saying it. Dan is working on his own campaign. This man is starting to really irk my soul. He clearly thinks that he is the smartest man, and we do need to be specific about that here. He clearly does not view... Parvati as an asset. Well, he views an, her as an asset to him winning. So he's running this whole like double, triple deception situation on his own, where he's planning on using Parvati to take Phaedra out and then take her out on his own because he thinks Phaedra's weak and like clearly you don't watch The Housewives, babe. <laughs> Do you know the sort of tomfoolery that this woman has gotten into? And I'm not even talking about the rape allegations. All the other stuff. The pregnancy dates alone. This woman is a trained liar. Let's talk about the husband. Let's not. I'm I'm not trying to get sued, okay? But, like, we all know that, like... Do you think that um, Apollo was doing those dastardly deeds on his own, you guys? Married to a lawyer... And that she had no idea, like, you know, this is one of the great things about the Housewives is that we have so many just hidden doors and walls that move and things we don't talk about. Like the fact that clearly Vedra Parks, allegedly, Vedra Parks has the capability to be running some sort of scamming ring and to be married to the man who's willing to be the face of it. That's all I'm going to say. Okay, let's move on. After that, Alan tells them that their challenge for the day is to walk around in a wet Scottish forest, and there's going to be an old uh, horse-drawn carriage that everybody can get in when they feel or when they when they get safe. And you're going to walk to some coffins, and then you're supposed to figure out who was poisoned the night before, before. That person gets murdered. I don't know. There were a lot of roles, okay? I'm not I'm not great with the challenges. <laughs> the outfits, though? Get into the outfits. They stepped their pussy up with the budget with Alan Cummings' funeral outfit. He had the whole, like, the the mesh. What do you call those things? Like the, the things over your face with the hat, you know, the morning hats. What do you call that? I, I don't know. You know what I'm talking about. Giving drama. He's got this full long cape just dragging up the Scottish little wet pebbles. Uh the I was about to call it a ladle. <laughs> what are the Scottish men the things that they wear? I, and see and then Dradel was gonna be the next one. And I know that both of those things are not anywhere close. <laughs> What are those... I'm losing my words, you guys, and my mind. Hold on. A kilt. I found it. And yeah, if you're wondering, I did Google um, Scottish man skirt to figure out what the word was. Okay? I have no problem admitting that. I'm a dumb bitch, you guys. I don't know why you listen to me. Anyway, so the cast are given clues on, like, the the first cast that they're giving, or excuse me, the first clue that they're given is... If you were born within the same year of anybody else on the cast, then you're safe. And MJ clenches up immediately. Just clenches, clenches. Because we know the sunset heads, MJ's age has been very elusive. And she doesn't really want to get into it. <laughs> she says Tommy doesn't even know how old she is. Her own husband doesn't know how old she is. So she's like... I'm just gonna sit here, chill in the cut, and let you guys scream out what year you were born in and hope that um I actually would rather not be a winner at this point. <laughs> so they find out that um Larsa and Sandra were both born in 1974. And Sandra looks like you just smacked her on the ass. Like she says in a confessional. I'm pretty surprised that Larsa and I were born the same year, because I thought she was at least 10 or 12 years older than me. <laughs> now granted, Sandra is, she does have braces. I wouldn't say 10 years older. I would say you guys look the same age. Just It's just hitting different. It's just hitting different. Also, Larsa is wearing a full midnight blue, crushed velvet, jumpsuit to this funeral challenge (laughs) i don't even know how you would buy that so everybody gets eliminated except for mj ekansu and parvati they have actual wooden coffins made for these chicks in the woods with a hole for one of the coffins to go in later and they make them get in these coffins, and then everybody has is given a black rose, and they throw the rose into the coffin of the person that they think was murdered the night before, and they have to say why. It is a unanimous vote from everybody that it was MJ, mostly because they feel like she's strong and that she's outspoken, and because of that, she probably has a target on her back. Obviously, they're wrong. They're supposed to get $20,000 for this challenge. They lose. I really had to crack up because Alan goes over to announce it was Sue that was murdered and he slams her coffin shut. (laughs) Just a little aggressive. (laughs) And did they actually make her stay in that coffin while they put it in the hole and pretended to bury it? Like They were shoveling actual dirt over that coffin. Did I put my head down and did not see the moment where she got out of the coffin? Because it just seemed like... Alan slammed that shit shut that they actually were just like pretending to bury her, <laughs> which is wild. I would have also liked to see the footage where they're just like, okay, Parvati, could you just go right off camera real quick while we pretend to bury you in this coffin? <laughs> we're, we're not going to take you home. You're going to have to walk home with everybody else. Just, just, get out of, just get out of the shot, just real quick. <laughs> get out of the coffin and just get behind the cameras, please. Thank you. So then they get back to the house. Sandra starts hanging out with the wives, housewives because she's got her own game going on. She's like, even though Larsa gets under my skin real bad, I feel like she's running the cohort of the housewives, but I also feel like she's got a big mouth, and I could probably figure something out for her. So she starts palling around with them. Everybody starts to think that maybe Larsa might be it. Larsa and her cohort, which is uh, Sheree, Phaedra and Sandra go over to look at the board of all the contestants to see which of these alpha males that Larsa has her hooks into energetically might be the actual traitor. So then Phaedra looks at it and goes, well, it can't be Bergy and Kevin's not smart enough. Maybe Dan, maybe CT, CT's an alpha. Kevin can't, could not possibly be him. And I was trying to think of who was the one from last season that everybody was like, you're entirely too stupid <laughs> to be a traitor. You would have outed yourself from the, right from the beginning. So we know it's not you. I'm trying to think of who that was, but I can't. It was good, though. I remember now that was, it was Ryan Lochte. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So then we get to the round table and Janelle from Big Brother accuses Larsa of being the one who did the poisoning. Because after Marcus left at the breakfast table, she did a cheers to everybody, which Janelle thought was very weird. And Larsa goes, you're telling me what's weird? Cheers? I think you're weird. I think how selfish you are is weird. You think I would murder my own boyfriend? (laughs) I think you're weird. (laughs) I would love to go toe-to-toe with Larsa. I think you're weird. So Pete from The Bachelor says, no, it's actually brilliant because nobody would suspect that you would murder your own boyfriend. So then Larsa uses her alpha male big guy's a traitor defense to accuse C.T. of being the one taking out the other guys. Parvati starts throwing shots at all the housewives for being performers, like being some fake shit, and then Phaedra starts getting real hot under her faux fur collar and tells Parvati, don't do that about the housewives, okay? The only people that I'm friends with here are Sheree and Tamara, okay? Not Larsa, okay? <laughs> Larsa ends up getting the most votes as everybody thinks she's a traitor, even though I'm not really sure if Kevin's vote should count because he did just write Lars on the chalkboard and not Larsa. So, after the round table, obviously she's tells them that she's a faithful and, and she get, she leaves, right? Bye Larsa. By Larsa. So after the round table, the other non Bravo people start realizing there's this like housewives and MJ and everybody else kind of division, and it's starting to be a problem because they have to figure at least one of these housewives or Bravo people has to be a traitor, right? So when they get to the traitor meeting, it's Parvati, Dan, and Phaedra. Phaedra gets pissed off because Parvati. At the round table, tried to call her out, and she's like, oh, I'm hoping that maybe Phaedra will just think I'm playing, right? Phaedra gets in her ass, okay? <laughs> she takes that cape, that hood off of her cape. It Don't play me, bitch. Not cool. Everybody thinks you're a traitor, by the way, Parvati. And I'm playing very fair with you, so don't do it to me. And that's for both of you. You and Dan. <laughs> and they were both like, oh. And that's how you're going to learn not to fuck with the housewives, okay? You're, y'all going to learn today. And I cannot wait for episode five, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to give me a five-star review on maybe Spotify or Apple Podcasts, I would greatly appreciate that. It's a great way to start the year, even though it's January 22nd. Don't worry about it. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. Love you. Bye.